So let me say this as we get started, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, and I want you to repeat it back for me. Hosanna. Hosanna. Guys, what an incredible, powerful word that we're going to study this morning that speaks to the heart of what people want, what people expect from the Lord, and what some people don't even know that they need. It's the reality, it's the passion, it's the desire to say this, I need somebody to come rescue me now. I need somebody, I need something to come and pull me up and get me out of this mess. And even outside of our own personal salvation, which we're going to deal with this morning, Hosanna is a word we probably use multiple times a week, don't we? April 15th, April 18th is coming, right? Tax day. Some of y'all going to be yelling, Hosanna. <laughs> Every time you fill up your gas tank lately, you're yelling what? Hosanna. <laughs> But here's the deal, and this is what we want to get to, and you can take your Bible and turn to John chapter 12. We want to really understand the heart of the gospel as it pertains to as we, what we celebrate today on the church calendar, and that'd be Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now, in John chapter 12, we're going to be in verses 12 through 19, the passage on Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry is in every one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to deal with John. It's brief. It's action-oriented, I think. And I think it's going to really speak to where we are culturally and where you are individually and where we are as a church specifically as we desire to go deep and wide. But here's the deal. I want to introduce Palm Sunday by dealing with foxes. Now, that makes no sense, right? Foxes. This past week, I don't know if you kept up with the headlines in the news, Washington, D.C. was relentlessly and unprovoked, and they were terrorized by certain attacks. I don't know if you heard about this. Several people were nipped at, and finally a congressman was bitten by a fox. Found out the fox had rabies. Now, here's the deal. We are the most powerful country in the world, and that area is one of the most secure places in the world. Agreed? Not only that, some of the smartest people, I'll take that back, are not in Washington, D.C., but some of the smartest people in the world. But yet a fox comes in to our capital and bites one of our elected officials. Some of y'all put it there. I think it was David. Here's the deal. What an incredible metaphor about our own spiritual lives, about no matter how many protections we put up, no matter how many boundaries, how many walls, how much prayer, how much time at church, we always have these little things that come and nip at us and begin to erode the fabric of our own spiritual growth. Have y'all been there before? Song of Solomon in the Old Testament says this, and I, I love this. Song of Solomon is all about a couple who fall in love, who date, who court, and then get married and then grow old together. And in chapter 2, verse 15, it says, the, the, the wife says, or the girlfriend says to the, to the boyfriend, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. And what would happen is that little foxes literally would sneak into vineyards and nibble or chew at the bottom of the stalks. And what would happen, it was disease the entire crop and everything would begin to fail and eventually die if the foxes weren't dealt with. And what we want to deal with this morning is we, and I think that's a great illustration for marriage, right? You might not have big problems if you're married, but the little foxes are there. So here's the thing. What we want to deal with this morning is we want to learn how to catch foxes in our life spiritually and specifically tie that to what happens Palm Sunday. 
and more importantly understand what it means for you and I to really begin to grow and as we do grow even if those foxes are rabid even if calamity happens even if discouragement happens even if crazy happens we're able to catch those little things that torment bite at us and come to the root of our own spiritual decay so here's the question how do we catch those foxes and I'm gonna give you the answer Are you ready you got to show them who's boss and specifically speaking it's not you showing them who's boss goes back to the heart of Jesus and we see this exemplified on Palm Sunday in verse 12 of chapter 12 of John it says the next day now that's important here because what had happened the day before that is Jesus is making his ascent to Jerusalem and he's going through different towns he's been anointed in Bethany and that was really uh, a symbol that Jesus is going to die and they anointed the bodies and he's also being anointed as our king at that moment by a simple prostitute but even before that he had just called Lazarus out of the grave Lazarus one of his friends he had died Jesus came to his rescue he comes and he is in the tomb for several days Martha and Mary are weeping over their brother and they said if you'd only been here he wouldn't have died and in those moments we have the shortest verse in scripture anybody know what that is Jesus what wept he wept over that moment and I don't think it was because he's weeping over his friend this is Chip's opinion I think he's weeping over their lack of faith but here's what's happening Lazarus rises from the dead Christ calls him out of the tomb in that instant the threat for the Pharisees and all of their power religiously speaking becomes a reality yes we have this prophet who's teaching great things yes he's doing miracles and signs and wonders but no one save Elijah in the Old Testament has called a dead man to life and Christ comes forward and he makes his ascent into Jerusalem and the crowds go what wild he is the most popular man in the world Josephus a Jewish historian 30 years after Jesus had died and risen from the dead said typically 2.5 to 3 million people came to Jerusalem during the Passover feast and this is during that time so Jerusalem which is this settlement which is a city that is powerful in his own right would swell 10 times as normal population and all of these people were humming and buzzing about Jesus Christ this is the guy who had fed 5,000 people this is the guy who had walked on water and this is the guy who days before had called Lazarus out of the tomb and as they entered as he entered into Jerusalem he chooses to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey now war heroes victors or kings would come into a conquering city and they would ri they would ride great horses or big chariots in fact every time a roman general would win a great war he would ride into rome and all the power and all the parades and all the people would flock to the streets and he would ride in on his chariot that was decked out in the most elegant way you can possibly imagine with the best horses and he would have a slave whisper in his ear all glory is fleeting and they would come into the city and that would represent power yet Jesus comes in on a donkey now I don't know if you know anything about donkeys but they're not very majestic animals <laughs> humble but that is exactly the way Christ wanted to present himself and as he walks into the city 
Scripture tells us that they take their cloaks off and they put it on the ground, almost like a red carpet that symbolizes a king. And they would wave these palm branches and they would yell, what? Hosanna. Now, what, this doesn't make sense to me. Number one, why do they wave palm branches? We're used to parades here, especially in Georgia in the last year. We've seen a great parade in Athens. We saw a great parade in Atlanta because our sports teams won. We've seen ticker tape parades. We've seen people go to the moon in films, and they come back, and they're parading around. We've seen all types of things, right? But this guy walks in, and they yell these, put these cloaks on the ground. They wave these palm branches, and they go, Hosanna. And what they're quoting is Psalm chapter 118, verses 25 through 26. And this is a hymn that the Jewish people used to sing during the festival of booths, okay? We're not going to go into Jewish festivals, but there are several of them. And one of them was a booth, and they would sit out. And if you go to different cities now, you'll look at fire escapes of a typical Jewish context and Jewish congregations, and they will put huts out on their fire escapes, and that's their booth. And they would celebrate the festival of booths so that they'd look up at the stars and see how they were in the, in, in the desert for 40 years waiting to get to the promised land and that would remind them of that journey isn't that interesting and during that time they would sing Psalm 118 verse 25 through 26 and it went like this Hosanna God save us now is what that literally means now interestingly enough if we go to the text here let's go back to what it says Starting in verse 12, the next day the great crowd that had come from the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now interestingly enough, quoting Psalm 118 again, that phrase, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, everybody in Jewish culture agrees. That's talking about the Messiah. That's talking about the king that's one day going to rescue the Jewish people from all their bondage, establish their kingdom, uh, get rid of the sacrificial system, and make a permanent forgiveness for everybody. They're waiting on this guy. And specifically now at this moment in history, the time is right because the Jewish, or now the Roman government had come in and conquered all of the known world and it set up its power there in Jerusalem. They were second-class citizens. They had to answer to everything and everyone who was Roman. And they see Jesus coming, and certainly he has to be a king. Certainly he has to be powerful, right? He had just called a dead man to life, and there were hundreds of witnesses. And as he comes into Jerusalem, they take the palm branches, and here's the thing. Palms represent Jerusalem. They represent Jewishness. They represent Israel. And they wave them and say, here's our king. And they say this at the very end. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. That is not quoted in the Old Testament. That's something they put in there because they really believed that Jesus was coming in to make a way and to establish his authority. Isn't this interesting? Now, in those moments, this is the moment the Jewish people had been waiting for. But he still comes in on a donkey. They got to think that's odd. And not only that, as you read further down, it says this. At first, his disciples, go, go back to verse 12, I'm sorry. 
or verse 13, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written in Zechariah chapter uh, 9. We'll read this in a few moments. Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done in him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word they gossiped then many people because they had heard that he had performed this sign went out to meet him but here I want you to get this verse 19 so the Pharisees said to one another see this is getting us nowhere look how the whole world has gone after him and this sealed the deal for his death now all that being said the Pharisees are jealous the crowds are expectant but none of it ended up the way they expected have you ever had something or a moment when you felt like <clears throat> it was going one direction but it didn't end up the way you expected have you ever had those times maybe it was a vacation where you thought man I have waited you just got back many of you just got back from spring break and I saw post with you at the beach and at Disney World and at Pigeon Forge and everywhere else and I'm not saying I was jealous but I was jealous but here's the thing you ever had one of those moments those vacations to where it didn't end up like you expected I mean it has right this past week my sister went to uh, the mountains to go to uh, Dollywood uh, which I think is better than Disney but you can fight with me later but here's the deal it's probably not and she gets up there and my nephew has a 103 degree fever and they turn around and come home it did not end the way she expected and we've all had those moments as a kid I'll never forget my parents waking us up and early 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 one Sunday morning and our routine was to get up with dreary sleepy eyes go sit at the countertop pour a bowl of frosted flakes cereal anybody with me on that I mean gosh man that's gonna be in heaven but uh pour a bowl of frosted flakes cereal because they're great and you put some milk some of y'all get that later and uh put some milk in it man eat it up go get dressed as quickly as possible get out the door go to church in our big old custom van y'all had one of those you slide it open the a-team's coming out there was a whole pile of us you know that was us so we get up that morning i'll never forget it i don't know why it's stuck in my mind we get up and all of a sudden mom and dad are not in a hurry so we're not going to church today they said we're gonna go to shoney's now, any of y'all know what Shoney's is? Just kind of raise your hand. Do y'all remember the glory, the extravagance, the elegance, the power, the majesty of the breakfast bar? Any of y'all want to raise your hand on that? And they said, we are going to the breakfast bar at Shoney's in Gainesville, Georgia. And I'm like, why? Because at that point, after you go to the breakfast bar like twice, you're like, I'm, I'm done. You know, I've got COVID now. And, and so the thing is, we get up we go to Shoney's I'm the oldest I'm sitting in the back and I am pitching a fit I'm, I'm like why are we going oh I want to go uh, uh. I was like almost a teenager and that's the worst person in the world and and so I'm just whining I'm, I'm griping and all that stuff and we get to Shoney's and for some reason I look behind the back seat of the van I see all this luggage and here's the thing I thought we were going to Shoney's to the breakfast bar which we did but they were surprising us with a weekend trip to the mountains it didn't end the way I expected I have felt guilty for almost 40 years It's the same thing with Jesus. He walks in on a cult, humble, humble. And he's walking to his throne, but the throne is a cross. 
got to remember that. You got to remember the fact that as he walks in as a conquering king, he is going to die. Period. He knows that the execution letter has been signed. He knows what he's about to deal with. He is God, guys. He knows all things. Yet, he continues to walk in. He continues to move forward. He continues to continue moving to the place of his impending suffering, persecution, death, both emotionally, physically, and even spiritually. It's not what we expect. But let's get back to our question. How does this show those foxes in our life that he's the boss? Because I want you to understand something. As he walks into Jerusalem, he's establishing his kingdom. And the kingdom is far beyond what anything we could ever expect. And there's some simple truths that we're going to extract from this. There's some simple truths that we're going to begin to hopefully drill down in our own souls and begin to see what's happening here. Now, I want you to notice, go back to verse 15. It says this, Do not be afraid, daughter, of, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Now, I want you to really focus in on those first few words. It's, it's better translated, fear not. But do not be afraid. Now, I haven't done a study on this. I don't know. But the phrase fear not has to, happens over and over and over again in Scripture. Happens in the Old Testament. Happened to Mary when the angel came and said, hey, you're going to have a child. Fear not. Happened to the shepherds as they were standing outside grazing and keeping their flock at night. The angel said what? Don't be afraid. Fear not. And it happens here. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it was written in Zechariah. Don't be afraid. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 uh, and 10 is from the prophet Zechariah in the Old Testament. And it's very interesting here. He makes this prophecy generations before Christ, and he says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Are you seeing the similarity now? Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous, victorious, yet lowly, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now notice, I will take away, I love this, the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim what? Peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Now here's what's important here and here's what I want you to understand. Here's your first principle. When Christ comes to show him who's boss to establish his kingdom, he has come to drive out fear. Period. We live in a world of fear. I live with it. You live with it. Everybody's scared of something, all right? Could be heights. Could be the dark. Could be snakes. It could be medical issues. But all of us struggle with some type of anxiety and fear. And to be real with you guys, this is not something we're going to conquer on this planet now we can work through it we can move through it we can focus on the Lord we can cope with it we can put our dependency upon him but here's what's beautiful about the kingdom of God is Christ comes and says fear not because I'm establishing my kingdom in peace in Jerusalem years before there was a guy um, his name specifically was Judas Maccabees Judas Maccabees came into Jerusalem on a war horse conquering the city for the zealots 
and different people who wanted to establish the kingdom of God by force. He didn't win. Generations before that, Song of Solomon in the Old Testament had thousands upon thousands of chariots and thousands upon thousands of war horses, but yet he couldn't bring peace. Yet Jesus comes on a donkey and says what? Fear not. So here's the question. What little fox, if you could label it, are you scared of? What are the things that are keeping you from truly experiencing truth? Now, I wanna, I, I've been saying this every week. We started a podcast called Deep and Wide. If you deal with anxiety, have trouble with anxiety like I have do, uh, we're doing a whole podcast tomorrow morning on anxiety and what it means to fear not, okay? You can get the, connected on our website through that. We send out a text message early in the morning. It'll be on our social media pages, and we're going to deal with the spiritual, physical, and emotional implications of that, okay? And so I encourage you to deal with that. But here's the thing. Here's what the beauty is about his kingdom come when he returns again on his war horse. It's this. Fear will be eradicated. Isn't that good? What we're scared of now, what we worry about now, what drives our peace away now is going to be taken away through the power of Jesus Christ. You scared? You worry? You're anxious? It's not forever. That's good news, isn't it? I mean, it's so good news, guys. Christ comes to deliver us from fear, but notice what happens next. Go to verse 17 and 18. Now the crowd that was with him when he got called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. So you had all these people, many people, because they had heard that he had performed the sign, went out to meet him. All these people were excited. He's going to come in. He's going to be the king. But then you had the Pharisees who said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world is going after him. So already as Jesus said in Jerusalem, you had two different factions here. He's dividing things, right? People are arguing already, one for Jesus, one against Jesus. And as the week goes on, more people become against Jesus to the point to where there was only a few left. And even now, those people who are reinstated, like Simon Peter, who denied him three times, and others of us who were against Christ at one point but are now in Christ, here's what's so important that we need to understand. Even in 2022, and this is your second principle, and this is about driving out foxes and what you need to understand, he has come to reveal truth. He has come to reveal truth. Not only is he call, calling out fear and bringing peace, he's coming to reveal truth. And I want to be real with you guys about something. Truth divides, 100%. Truth divides. I heard something today about, um, or yesterday, about Twitter. Everybody knows that social media platform. And it says the untruths go viral far faster, I think 600 times faster than actual truths. And even when you publish things to cancel out those untruths, it never cancels it, cancels it completely. Truth always divides, guys. Why? Because we're people that buy into a lie most of the time, right? And what's so beautiful about the gospel and his kingdom come is as Christ walks into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, he's bringing truth and he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except what? Through me. So important for us to get. John 6, verse 27, Jesus said this six chapters before. 
he makes this statement to the people and he says uh, do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures through eternal life which the son of man will give to you for on him God the father has placed his seal of what approval deal with truth first Corinthians and I love this starting in chapter 1 verses 23 to 25 it says Jews demand a sign and Greeks look for wisdom but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God for the foolishness of God is wiser than what human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than what human strength truth is always going to divide and as we work through these processes of killing the foxes in our life understand this you fight it knowing Christ is eventually going to win and drive out the fear two you fight it with truth always 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 next thing is this go to verse 14 and 15 we'll wrap it up in just a moment so Jesus found a donkey and sat on it as it was written do not be afraid daughter of Zion see your king is coming seating on a donkey's colt he has come to rule he hasn't come to take a second seat one of the worst bumper stickers ever made was not something that was profane it's something that Christians put on the back of their car that Jesus is my co-pilot do you know how stupid that is now let's just think through this just think let's just, just take that let's, hold on for a second. let's just take that literally for a second you're in a car and Jesus decides to ride along and you look at him and say I got this are you stupid and everybody should say yes we are right but how many things in our life do we do that with all things right I'll fix this. I'm going to get this settled on my own. I'm going to make sure. Listen, Jesus has come to rule. He's the boss. And when the little foxes come, you show them who's boss. It's not you. It's who? Jesus. Listen to me. He's come to bring peace. He's come to bring truth. And that truth is going to divide. And he's come to rule. So important for us to gather it up in our minds. So here's the questions. How does this affect the little foxes in our lives now? How does this affect us when we have the confidence that we should have in the Lord bitten off y'all y'all with me on that because they do bite us right y'all lose confidence is it just me or is it y'all too everybody please nod your head because I feel really insecure about that I mean because I need to listen to you more understand this it's all about authority and whose authority we choose to stare at and the second thing is when we live under the authority of Christ it doesn't mean the little foxes aren't present but it is easier to get rid of them you understand that so important to get that so what do we do with all this I'm going to give you three application steps and two pieces of homework are y'all ready so you got till Easter to do this alright seven days number one life can only be experienced in the face of death what does that mean when you really look at your own mortality you realize that you ain't going to be here forever and you need to have a place in the kingdom of God and that is not something you're going to work for I'm watching and this is how big of a nerd I am All right, I'm watching a documentary on Benjamin Franklin that's what I do in my evenings and man he was a genius he had a printing shop that went all the way down the colonies he was the first he was a postmaster general and he was able to tie all the colonies together with letters isn't that crazy now y'all might think that's crazy but if you sent a letter to New York City before Benjamin Franklin figured this out, 
and you lived in Charleston, South Carolina, that letter would go to London and then come back and go to New York City. Does that make sense? Absolutely not. Benjamin Franklin figured that out. That's smart. Any of you guys wear bifocals? Don't raise your hand because you're going to show your age. Here's the deal. He made those. Neat, huh? I mean, he was even smart enough to fly a kite up in the air and put a metal key on the end of it. I don't know if that's smart. But he figured out electricity for us and proved all his theories and went crazy during the Enlightenment period. He did all this stuff and yet was a founding father. But here's the thing he was totally stupid at. He said, man can be perfect if we follow certain virtues and therefore if we are good enough, when we die, the Creator will let us in. Guys, you ain't ever going to be good enough. He even made a chart and put Monday through Sunday in the list of 12 virtues on the side. And every day that he messed up and didn't follow those virtues, he put a dot. And that whole chart was full. I'm not going to do that because I'd have to throw the chart away. Here's the point. Life can only be experienced when we face our own mortality. And you better know Jesus. You better have Christ in your life. It's as simple as A, B, and C. Admit you're separated to God because of your sin. You can't come close to God because you have sin in your life. Unless you believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. He was the God incarnate. He walked this planet in perfection. He died on the cross, and then he rose from the dead to conquer sin and death. If you believe that, you confess that. You ask him to come into your life. That is the moment you become a Christian or a Christ follower. That's it. But you'll never know that until you stare death in the face. And if you're here today or you're online with us and you don't know Jesus or you've got questions, you want to work this out with somebody, I want to encourage you to fill out your Connect card and put a check next to the day. Today I want to know Jesus. Or text in the phrase, I need Jesus, to 55498. It's a really simple way. All this comes to me, and I'd love to help you work through it. So have you faced your own mortality, and do you know peace? That's the question you've got to ask. Second, peace can be effective if truth is nurtured. Peace can be effective if truth is nurtured. Do you get that? What does that mean? The more you drill down into Scripture, the more you apply the gospel to your life, the more peace you're going to have. Now, I know there's medical stuff, there's brain chemistry stuff, there's trauma stuff. There's things. We're going to deal with that on that podcast, and that's part of your homework assignment is listen to that podcast. But understand this. When we're nurturing our spiritual relationship with the Lord, peace bubbles up. I'll give you a Bible reading plan this week by R.C. Sproul. You can go to Bible.com or the Bible app. You can take a picture of that real quick. What Did Jesus Do by R.C. Sproul? It is a great five-day reading plan. Take some time to do that this week. Last thing, everyone submits to something. What are you submitting to? Everyone submits to something. What are you submitting to? Because here's the deal. Jesus came to rule. Is he ruling? When the foxes come, are you showing them who the boss is? Everybody submits to something. Are you submitting to your emotions? Are you submitting to your children's wants? You know, it's, it's not bad to do those things. Only if it's before Jesus. Does that make sense? It's Christ first. So, a couple years ago, you ever done one of these high ropes courses? You ever seen that? I mean, I was stupid and young enough to do that. 
when I was younger. And I'd get up on these ropes, and I would rappel off of them, and I would zip line. I mean, you're like eight stories in the air, it feels like. And, I mean, it was an amazing time. And when you're 19, 20, 21 years old, or even younger than that, you know, it's easy, right? You do stupid stuff. And some of us, you know, you, you have a strong look at your mortality when you're about 35 years old, and you realize, I shouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? And so my son goes on a field trip. It was an overnight thing, and there was a high ropes course, and there was a couple of dads around, and they get up on something called the pamper pole. Let me help you understand what a pamper pole is. And diapers are not involved, but it makes sense after I explain it. It is a telephone pole that is about 50 feet tall with metal spikes on each side. You see linemen doing this who work on all of our power grids and things like that, and that's why they're heroes in my mind. And basically what you do is you climb up on these spikes and you get to the top and there's nothing there. And you've got to pull your body up on top of that pole and stand on it like this while it sways back and forth. That's why they call it a pamper pole. <laughs> so they said, do any of you dads want to do this? And of course our sons are looking at us like, you going to do it? <laughs> well, yeah, pride got a hold of me. I've done it before. I did it when I was 20 years old. I'm going to do it now. So get up on the pamper pole I start climbing up now they do put safety mechanisms in place you have this harness on it's hooked to a rope up there it comes down here and then you have a spotter who's holding the rope so if you fall they catch you I get about halfway up the pamper pole I look down and my spotter is a, is a teenage girl that weighs 95 cents y'all with me on this <laughs> if we fall you're going to the moon baby that's it I'm going to die and you are too that's no way this is going to happen you know and I, I stop and I say, look, this is not safe for either one of us. And she said, no, I got you. And she had another rope tied to a, 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 a bolt that was engaged into a stake that was engaged into a rock. And if I pull her up, which I fell and it did pull her up, she's going nowhere and neither did I. That is the kingdom of God, people. You have to be tied to the rock. And Palm Sunday represents this. Though I be humble, Though I walk in on a donkey, and though I reach not the powerful or the elite, I reach the common man. I'm king. And this morning, my question for you, is he king of your life? There is no, I'm going to accept Christ as my Savior and then later on as the Lord. No, it's all at the same time, people. There is no, hey, I'm going to submit to him when I feel like it. Is he your king? Have you asked Jesus to come into your life? Has he saved you? Has he changed you? Is he changing you? Because the point of Palm Sunday was the slow ascent to the cross to where he took the punishment that you and I deserved and he fulfilled it for us. And then they put him in a tomb and he conquered death by rising from it and you will too if you know him. This morning, if you're here online or here and you don't know Jesus, or you need to take a step of faith and start to get serious about your faith. I want to challenge you to do something, one of two things. You can fill out that Connect card, or I'm going to be standing over here to my left, and I would love to pray with you if you need prayer, or if you need Jesus, I'd love to talk with you about that. You can fill out that Connect card. That's great. But let's settle it today if you need Christ. Are y'all with me on that? Let's settle it today if you need prayer. Let's settle it today if you need to take those steps forward. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And God, we're asking very specifically that in these moments that you would change us, that you would guide us, and that you would direct us. And that, Lord, as we submit to you,
that we would choose to face our own mortality, that we would choose to face death by acknowledging life, that we would choose to experience peace because we have the Prince of Peace, that we would choose to see you. So Christ, as we've opened up your word and we see all these beautiful things happen so many millennia ago, Lord, we, we humbly, humbly submit to you and say, God, do your work. Move in us, strengthen us, guide us, and direct us. Father, overwhelm us with your grace and mercy. God, give us the strength that we need to follow you, to live for you, and acknowledge you in every aspect of our life. Jesus, thank you for loving us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.